The Productive Woman, Episode 426. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Well, thank you so much for joining me. In this episode, we're going to continue our countdown to a productive new year. This week, talking about managing our lives with love. You'll find more information and links to some resources I mentioned all in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 426. This episode is brought to you by Calm. And I wonder, do you, like me, uh, have anxious thoughts sometimes? Are you restless at night? Or do you sometimes just not feel like your best self? Making sure we feel our best should be a top priority if we want to be productive women and, and bring our best selves to the work that we do in the world. And by spending a few minutes with Calm each day, you can be sure you're taking the necessary time to prioritize yourself. That's why I am so glad to be partnering this year and in the coming year with Calm, the number one mental wellness app, to help give you the tools that can improve the way you feel. Calm helps you stress less, sleep more, and live a happier, healthier life. Their guided meditations, sleep stories, relaxing music tracks, and daily movement sessions are all designed to give you the tools to improve the way you feel, which of course is going to improve your productivity. Over 100 million people around the world use Calm, and even if you've never meditated before, you'll get the support you need to reduce stress, improve focus, and uplift your mood. The sleep stories help you drift off quickly to recharge your brain, and they're also great for getting kids to calm their minds at night, so you can rest assured they're getting the sleep they need. If you go to calm.com slash tpw, you can take advantage of the special offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription. That's a subscription that I have that I pay for myself and have for the last two or three years. And I really enjoy it because they have new content added every week. So you never get bored with what's in there. So you can relax. Calm's got everything you need for a happier and healthier you. I've mentioned before I enjoy the guided meditations. They're not... um, you know, they're not, this isn't a spiritual practice, but it's a practice to help you sort of calm your mind and slow down a little bit and relax and get focused. Uh, And I really do enjoy those, but I get the most benefit from Calm's sleep stories. There is such a variety of styles and of narrators. Some of the sleep stories are narrated by actors and other artists that you've probably heard of, like Matthew McConaughey, Shawn Mendes, and Priyanka Chopra Jones. Some of my favorite sleep stories are the ones that take me to a geographical location I've never been to in person and give you a little taste of the experience of visiting places like Sweden and Mount Everest and Easter Island and so many other places. 
Others are more historical in nature. Some are more literature-based, sharing excerpts of literary classics. That's just a few of the types of sleep stories that they have. But whichever sleep story I choose on a given night, I know it will help me quiet my mind and fall asleep, which is why I personally never hear the end of a calm sleep story because I've always fallen asleep before we ever get to the end. As I said, for listeners of The Productive Woman, Calm is offering an exclusive offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash tpw. So go to calm, C-A-L-M dot com slash tpw for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. Once again, that's calm.com slash tpw. So let's get into our topic. During December, if you've been with me this month, we have been counting down to the new year with each episode focused on a different aspect of what I see as this podcast's mission, my purpose for putting this podcast out there. And as I said last week, I know December is a busy time for many of us. There are school programs for the kids. There's the end of year rush at work. There are holiday gatherings and shopping to do and so much more taking up our time and energy. So if you are using part of your time in this season to listen to this podcast, first of all, I thank you. I don't take that lightly. I appreciate you being here. But I also invite you to use it as an opportunity to pause in the midst of this hectic season, look ahead to both the holiday and the coming new year, and give some thought to what you want out of this time and out of this coming year. As you know, if you've been with me for very long, the purpose of this podcast, my purpose for doing it, is to help give you the tools and encouragement you need to manage four things, your time, your life, your stress, and your stuff. And as part of our countdown in December, we've been looking at those four areas and we considered, first of all, kind of indirectly managing our stress by looking for ways to find joy in our day-to-day lives. And last week, we considered how to manage our time and, and to some extent how to manage our space by following peace. This week, I want to take just a step back and look at the bigger picture of managing our lives by walking in love. And so let's get into that. First of all, what do I mean by managing your life? Or, and, and for me, it really means keeping the big picture in mind, who you want to be in the world, what kind of life you want to live and why, what matters most to you and where you want to end up as you look down the road of your life. Managing your life to me means living with purpose, acting intentionally to ensure that your day-to-day life is consistent with your most important values. And so to that end, we have talked, as I said, about managing stress through cultivating joy. And we've talked about managing time and space by following peace. Those, I think, are elements of living purposefully and intentionally and in our lives. But another element of this purposeful and intentional living is 
what I refer to as walking in love. Well, what does that mean? I personally first heard that phrase many, many years ago when a pastor uh, that I was listening to taught on a verse from the Bible. And it happens to be uh, chapter five of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, in which he urged these early believers to imitate God and walk in love. And in the decades since I first heard about this and listened to this teaching, I have often felt that this might be the hardest thing for us, or certainly at least for me, to do as a human being. Walking in love. And we're going to talk a little bit about what that means. I want to make it clear, this podcast episode is not a religious teaching. Regardless of your faith tradition, or even if you have none, I believe that this admonition to walk in love can provide all of us with guidance on how to manage our lives, how to be productive women who order their lives in such a manner as to maximize our positive impact on the world around us. And so, you know, there are tons of of quotes from non-religious sources about the value of walking in love. They don't necessarily use that phrase, but when we make our choices based on love, it makes a difference in the world. So what does it mean to walk in love? And I think to, to understand that phrase and that concept, first we need to consider what is love? What does it mean? You know me, I always go to the dictionary And I thought it was interesting that all of the definitions seem a little bit, I don't know, just uh, lightweight in a way. They're a little vague. It's a hard word to define. Uh, It's a hard thing to put into words what it means. But some dictionary definitions include an intense feeling of deep affection, a great interest and pleasure in something. Uh, The Merriam-Webster Dictionary has several definitions of love, including warm attachment, devotion, or admiration, unselfish, loyal, and benevolent concern for the good of another, such as, uh, the dictionary says, such as the fatherly concern of God for humankind or a brotherly concern for others. And I really liked that definition. We're going to come back to that, this unselfish, loyal, and benevolent concern for the good of another. Uh, Dictionary.com defines love in several ways, including a profoundly tender, passionate affection for another person and a feeling of warm personal attachment or deep affection as for a parent, child, or friend. Again, I, those definitions feel a little, I don't know, watery to me. They don't, don't really, they, they define it by reference to terms that themselves need to be defined. But in any event, moving on, um, the ancient Greeks had many different words for love. You know, we in the English language talk about love and it encompasses everything from, you know, passionate love for someone you're, you know, in love with all the way to sacrificial love for other people. Uh, But the Greeks had different words for different kinds of love. And I will link to a Wikipedia article that I thought was interesting because it kind of summarized several of them. Uh, For instance, there is agape, which means especially brotherly love or charity. Uh, Thomas Aquinas 
explain this type of love as meaning to will the good of another. So agape love seeks the good of another person. Another Greek word is the word eros, which is mostly tied to sexual passion. Philia means affectionate regard, friendship, usually between equals. So it's a friendship kind of love. Another word in the Greek language, or the ancient Greek anyway, I don't know current Greek. Uh, If you're a Greek person uh, or speak the Greek language today, you can maybe write to me and let me know, do these words still apply in, in modern Greek? But in any event, another word among the ancient Greeks for love is uh, and forgive me if I'm mispronouncing this, but f- I think it's philodia, philodia. Uh, it means self-love, to love oneself or, quote, regard for one's own happiness or advantage. And according to Wikipedia, the ancient Greeks divided this further into two kinds, an unhealthy version of philodia or of self-love, which is more of a self-obsessed love, and a healthy version, which is the concept of self-compassion, another another definition that I really love. And then another one of the Greek de- words for love is the word, I think it's xenia, which w- Wikipedia says is an ancient Greek concept of hospitality. And the article notes that historically, hospitality towards foreigners and guests, so the people outside your own circle, was considered a moral obligation among the ancient Greeks. And we could get into, you know, how that applies to managing our lives. But I I like this idea of of Xenia to um, exercise hospitality to the people outside our own circle. Again, I find it interesting how difficult it is to really pin down and and define the the word love, but certainly it is more than just romantic love or even more than maternal love. There are all these different elements of it. And looking beyond the definitions of the word, to me, walking in love has various elements or components, including compassion, kindness, and grace, extending grace. To me, all of that is part of walking in love in the world that we're in. So what does all that have to do with productivity? Well, when we think of productivity, as we discuss it on this podcast, as meaning more than just getting stuff done, but also making a life that matters, to me, it seems pretty obvious uh, that how and why we do the things we do is an integral part of being truly productive. It's not just doing the stuff, but how we're doing it and why we're doing it. Um, The artist Vincent Van Gogh is quoted as saying, love many things for therein lies the true strength and whosoever loves much performs much and can accomplish much. And what is done in love is done well. And I really like that quote because there's, there's, you could really go into some depths of what's being said there. Of course, I, I don't know the context. I don't know what he's talking about. But when we do tasks in love, we're going to do them well, whether the love is that we love what we're doing or that we love the person we're doing it for or with. In either event, we will do it well, and therefore, 
in many ways, we can be seen to be much more productive. So how we're doing things and why we're doing them is very much a part of being truly productive. Productivity in the sense of accomplishing things that are important to us becomes meaningful and and I would say truly productive, true productivity, when our goals, the actions we take to achieve them, and our day-to-day lives are guided and governed by intentionally chosen principles based on what we believe and what we value. And in the past, we've talked about this, about you know, guiding principles that can, can help us as we decide what goals to pursue and all that sort of thing. And I'll try to remember to put links to some of those past episodes in the show notes for this. But whatever, what, however we look at this, when we let our, the goals that we choose, what we're doing to achieve them, and even our day-to-day lives be guided and governed by those those values and those beliefs that we have, we're going to be truly and meaningfully productive. And I think when you're talking about guiding principles and beliefs and values, to me, each of those definitions of love that we looked at can be a great place to start as a guiding principle. So how can we walk in love? How can we express love in what we do and how we live our life? Uh, I think it comes down to letting love, whichever definition of love you want to talk about, letting that be the deciding factor in the choices we make about what we do, how we do it, and what goals we pursue. And I think in the coming year, we may get into this a little more and into detail, but the, the bottom line for me is that each of these different definitions, uh, we can look at them, the, whether it's the agape love, the brotherly love, willing the good of another, or eros for that matter, or the friendship type of love, or philodia, the self-love, or xenia, the hospitality version of love, or any of the dictionary definitions. If we if we look at those and consider how each can apply in the various areas of our life and how we can use them to guide our choices, both in the long term, setting our life objectives and our, our goals, and in the short term, uh, the daily actions and interactions that we, we experience every day, we're going to be walking in love. We're going to be guided by love and therefore, I think, more productive in the sense of making a life that truly matters. And in that vein or to that point, I guess, I especially like that definition I mentioned earlier, that unselfish, loyal, and benevolent concern for the good of another. This is one I really have been pondering since I read about this because you know, I like like a lot of people, I have a tendency toward selfishness. I think of myself and my needs and my and what I want, and not always what's best for the people around me or the people in the world at large. And so allowing that to guide me as I set my goals, not to disregard what I want. That's not what I'm talking about here, but 
bringing into at least my thinking the concern for the good of other people as I decide, how am I going to spend my time? What am I going to do with my energy in this coming week, this coming year? Uh, what, what I think is interesting is when we can let our actions be guided by love, I think that will contribute as well to our finding joy and peace, the two things that we've talked about for the last couple of weeks. The Dalai Lama has said, the greatest degree of inner tranquility comes from the development of love and compassion. The more we care for the happiness of others, the greater is our own sense of well-being. And I think that is so true. When we get outside of our own internal angst or concerns or whatever, and we turn our thoughts outward to how we can help other people or, or how what we're doing will affect other people, we actually end up being more at peace and more happy. Now, I think it's important to note, especially for some of us who have a tendency to, to submit to ourselves and, and, and put ourselves at the bottom of the list, I guess is what I'm trying to get at, that walking in love toward other people doesn't mean we should be doormats. Thinking about the well-being of other people and that, that unselfish, loyal, and benevolent uh, concern for the good of another doesn't mean we're doormats that we put everybody else ahead of ourselves and our needs. Walking in love toward others doesn't mean you subjugate yourself to anyone or accept mistreatment. I would argue that if you are in whatever choices you're making, we are making, if we are feeling subjugated, if we are feeling, um, you know, less than or, or resentful, then we're not actually walking in love. We're doing something else. And, you know, every one of us maybe can benefit from, you know, some counseling on to sort of suss that out and figure out why it is we would continue to do something when we feel that way. Uh, but walking in love doesn't mean we're going to accept mistreatment or that we're going to accept misbehavior by other people, or that we're going to subjugate what we need to other people. Sometimes walking in love means speaking the truth, certainly with kindness and with compassion, but speaking the truth to ourselves or to another person, even when the truth is hard to hear. Um, my the, the people that I know love me, that I believe love me the most, will tell me the truth when I'm, you know, not being my best self, shall we say. Uh, and I value that. So walking in love includes that component. And I think it's also important to remember that every one of these definitions of love also applies to ourselves. We can walk in love toward ourselves as we make our decisions about goals in the long term and our daily actions in the short term, we can walk in love toward ourselves. We can extend grace to ourselves, uh, view ourselves with compassion and with honesty. Uh, so to me, walking in love toward myself means I see who I am, but I'm going to be kind to myself and accept myself regardless of my weaknesses, yet encourage myself to do better. And I would say 
you know, maybe that applies to you as well. You can walk in love toward yourself by extending grace to yourself, not beating yourself up, being as kind and compassionate and loyal and benevolent toward yourself as you would toward anybody else. View yourself with honesty. Certainly you see the truth of who you are, but also with compassion. We are humans. Uh, as, as one quote says, we recognize that we are but dust, you know, and we have weaknesses and failures, but we can be kind to ourselves. We can extend grace to ourselves while still encouraging ourselves to do better. The Buddha has encouraged us with this very idea saying you yourself, as much as anybody in the entire universe deserve your love and affection. And I think that is true. Uh, and maybe one thing we can do this year that will help us walk in love toward other people, that will help us foster joy in our lives, and to follow peace would be to extend love and affection toward ourselves as well as to the other people around us. So in contemplating the coming year, consider how you can walk in love as you plan the year as you set goals and so on. A lot of us are doing that as the year is winding down. Some of us do it in um, in January. After the year starts, we start uh, planning and setting goals for the coming year. As you do that, consider how could you walk in love toward yourself, toward the people close to you, and toward the world in general. Uh, in managing your life, which includes setting goals, planning how to achieve them, and organizing your day-to-day life, keep in mind that big picture uh, and ask yourself, what do you value most? And how can your daily life reflect that? So on a practical level, maybe take some time between now and the end of the year to look back over 2022 evaluate, first of all, what went right. I think it's always good to start with the positive. A lot of us have a harder time seeing that than the negative. So look at what went right this year, what you can celebrate. Look for the lessons that you can learn from the year. And as you consider the coming year, ask yourself, what do I want more of in this coming year? What do I want less of? How will I live a life that is consistent with those things I value most? And in my day-to-day life, how will I walk in love toward myself, my family and friends, my colleagues and clients or customers, and the world I live in? I encourage you to do some thinking about that. And I would love to hear your thoughts on this topic as well. As we wrap up, I want to mention that I will be taking next week off. I will not publish a new episode during the week between Christmas and New Year's, but I will be back uh, the first week of January with a new episode. So I hope you will celebrate whatever holiday you celebrate at the end of the year and have a joyful time. But if you're looking for some ideas and inspiration for your own year-end review and your new year goal setting, I invite you to check out some past episodes of the Productive Woman podcast that were focused on exactly that. So for instance, episode 120 talked about my process for doing a year-end wrap-up and review. 
episode 326 called This Time Next Year, covered some of the same ideas and some additional information and ideas for reviewing the year just finished and setting goals for the coming year. Episode 378 was called Laying a Foundation, Lessons Learned, and offers some questions for reflection on the year that's just passed. And episode 379, which was from the end of last year, is called Who Will You Be This Time Next Year? Setting Goals That Matter. And that's what we talked about in that episode. And so if you're looking for some inspiration and ideas as you review your past year and get yourself set up for the coming new year, uh, those might be some great places to start. So again, I encourage you to uh, think about what I've said here, the idea of walking in love toward yourself and toward others. And I would ask you, what do you think? What does walking in love mean to you? And how might you incorporate that concept into your life in the coming year? I would really enjoy hearing from you. I would appreciate your insight on this. This is something I've been pondering and thinking about and will continue to do as I work on my own goals for the coming year. You can share your insights on this, your thoughts or questions you might have in the comments section of the show notes for this episode, which you will find at theproductivewoman.com slash 426. You will also find their links to several articles and in, and a, a, a great uh, post with a bunch of really inspiring quotes on the concept of love. You can also post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page, or if you're a member of the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, uh, you can certainly share your thoughts on this subject there, and we can continue that conversation. As always, if you prefer to share your thoughts with me privately, I'm happy to hear them. You can email your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com. And uh, I, I promise I will read your comments and get back to you as quickly as I can. Before we go, rem- uh, just a quick reminder, as I've mentioned the last couple of weeks, I will be launching new Productive Woman Mastermind groups in mid-January. If you haven't heard before, these are small facilitated mastermind groups, no more than five women plus me, uh, who meet in Zoom one hour a week for 12 weeks for support, encouragement, and accountability in identifying and pursuing individual goals that matter. These are, as I said, facilitated mastermind groups. There is a charge for those, a fee. And I have received a number of applications. I am getting back to them daily with more information. If you are interested in learning more about the Productive Woman Mastermind groups, you can visit theproductivewoman.com slash mastermind for more information. And you'll find there the link to a very short online application. Filling out the application and submitting it does not commit you. It doesn't obligate you in any way. It just lets me know of your interest. And then I will reach out to you and give you an opportunity to ask questions before you commit to registering for the mastermind. Finally, remember that for listeners of this podcast, Calm is offering an exclusive offer of 40% off the Calm premium subscription you can learn more and sign up by going to calm.com slash TPW. 
That's C-A-L-M dot com slash T-P-W for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library of guided meditations, sleep stories, uh, and so much more. And that is it for this episode of The Productive Woman and for this year of The Productive Woman podcast. As always, thank you so much for spending this time with me. I don't take it for granted. I appreciate you more than I know how to say. I hope you felt like your time listening today was time well spent. And until we meet again, I wish you a Merry Christmas, a happy holiday season, and the best, most joyful, most peaceful, most productive, and most love-filled of New Year's. I look forward to talking with you again soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter.